talk about the haircuts and whatnot. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is a little bit unconventional, so we're just working out the kinks at the same time. But this is Matt Dianarinas from White and Blue Review, sitting here with who you can see, Marcus Segurowski and Mitchell Balick. Um, I still say your name like that. I'm not going to stop. Sorry, bro. Okay. Um, but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna give you guys a little like walk back on the season and let Marcus and Mitch kind of take you inside some of the some of the high points, some of the low points, and um, hopefully give you guys something fun and enjoyable to listen to uh, during hashtag quarantine life. So, uh, Marcus, first of all, uh, I think we'll actually let's start age before beauty. Should we start with Mitchell? Let's we'll start with Mitchell. Age before beauty is the rule, right? Yeah, but if this isn't anything good for people to listen to, do we scrap it or what? Yeah, we'll, we'll just erase it. I'll just be like, I'll, I'll be like that was terrible. Gotta, boys. Let's have that talk back. <laughs> First of all, the beard's going. I was expecting the beard. I don't know what I was expecting the beard situation to look like, but that's not bad. Yeah, beard is crazy. I honestly thought about going clean shaven, but I didn't want to look twelve when I got on this interview, so I so I kept the beard and it's just growing. <laughs> Looks good though. You look like you got it. You're keeping it like you know well-groomed and everything, not just letting it go. No, I'm trying to. I shape it up down here because my neck's crazy, but then everything else grows pretty good. So just ride it out, man. Yeah. How's the family and everybody doing at home? Family's doing well. I'm actually up in Omaha right now. Um, But, yeah, family's doing well. Mom and dad kind of doing the same thing they've been doing. My dad's still working. He drives a truck, so nothing changed for him. And then brothers and sisters are all doing well. My niece and nephew are just running around and doing all that. So it's good. Everything's good in my way. Good to hear. Marcus, man, how's uh, our mom and dad, brother and sis, and everybody yeah, doing? It was doing good. You know, I was I was home for like a month and uh, some change. But now I'm actually in Omaha right now getting rehab. So I'm just, I've been by myself for the past about like six days. So pretty boring, but I kind of had to do it. You know, it's the only thing open. But fam's doing good for real. Yeah. So you, uh, you, Max had the same surgery as you a year later. Was that like a, I don't know, like a twin thing? Did you guys not just give each other a full hip or something at birth and then it caught up to you later in life? It's a family thing. My brother, Michael had it. Um, my mom has a hip problem, but like, she's like, why, why, like, why would I get the surgery? There's no point. Like, and then me and Max, we've had it for a while. Like, yeah. He, so like, yeah, we both had a kind of the same injuries. It's basically the same, except he, like, he didn't get the core surgery that me and Mitch got, but, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he tore his leg room and he also had a bone score just like I did. And so he's, he's been rehabbing at home. You know, it's a little bit different than my rehab. So, but he's doing well. Matt, Marcus said it's a family thing. That's why I had it, too, if you didn't know we're, we're kind of related. I was, just, I was like, I, I don't know how you drew Mitch into that one, but, but I guess you guys are. Yeah, no, distant no. brothers. No, because I had the core surgery, too. Yeah. It's like the lower the abdominal thing that you have, the scars. You know what I'm talking about, Mitch? No, yeah. Marcus, I know what you have, bro. I know. Yeah, I'm just trying to lighten the mood with, with Matt, too. <laughs> yeah, Marcus and I both had the same surgery, but then he also had the hip deal. Yeah, and the right. hip thing is the family thing, not not the core. The, core the hip thing is the family <laughs> thing, but, but the other thing is just the Marcus Me Jet thing. So it's, yeah. a, it's Mitch's a, extended and, family thing. Mitch's description of that injury is rated R. We're not going to say it even on this podcast. So like, it's it's too it's too bad for podcasts. So. I remember the way you first described that. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I can quote that man, but okay. 
Do you remember what you said? I was just trying, yeah. I was just trying to dumb it down, you know? I know. No, yeah, you definitely did. I was like, okay, I get that. Uh, Marcus, how's the knee yeah. doing? How's the rehab life going and everything? I'm doing really well. You know, I feel like I'm making some really good strides since I came up here. Um, I, th- I think I'm ahead of schedule. Um, I'm, I've been walking fine. You know, it's, it's just it's doing a lot. It's doing really well. You always think you're ahead of schedule, though, because you just want to hoop. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, Marcus, don't get too ahead of schedule, man. No, nah, trust me, it's doing well. You know, I yeah. feel, you know, I don't – obviously, it's not going to be back until, like, two, about two, three months. But, you know – what I've been doing, you know, I've been doing a lot of strength stuff, and I'm Ben, uh, our, our trainer Ben is really, you know, is happy with where I'm at right now. Good to hear. So let's just, I just want to jump into like the the season itself, and uh, I don't know. I think there were times, I think early in practice, where I definitely saw just flashes of you guys going to a different level. It was like there'd be, you know, stretches of possessions in five-on-five where the ball moved, like, at light speed, it felt like, and you guys all were, you know, you, Mitch, and Ty especially were all on the same page and everything. Um, And it just felt like that was – it just looked different from the year before um, in terms of chemistry and continuity. And I wonder when – was there a point at that, you know, early in the season, even maybe before the game started, where you guys could sense that there was something – more here that you guys could like level up as a group. Marcus, you got it. Um, you know, I just I kind of thought you know in uh in the fall you know before we even started practice you know we were playing pickup and I think we like we just like like playing with each other and you know that first year together um I thought we really gained that experience. You know, I th- I think we really kind of gelled. You know, in that year and now that our, in our second year I think we we, uh, we just really like love playing with each other. And then, you know, to, uh, once the season started really getting going, you know, you know, playing playing in the games, you know, I thought, you know, there were some early games where we really got going and, you know, you know, we just built on it, you know, throughout the whole year into conference. So, yeah, I, yeah, go ahead, Mitch. No, you can go, you can finish. No, I was, yeah, I was basically just saying, you know, I, I just like, like, once you love playing with each other, you know, everything else takes care of itself. So, you know, once you stop worrying about your individual kind of stuff, that stuff will come once you start, you know, being unselfish with each other, and I feel like that's what we did. Yeah, my idea was over the summer, obviously we didn't have Marcus, and even into the fall, uh, we were playing without him. So, obviously, I was kind of a different player. Like, I was doing stuff uncharacteristic. Like, when we were in Australia, I was – I mean, I had the ball in my hand a little more. And then when Marcus got back, then it just – it kind of made everything easier. If it makes if, if that makes any sense, because then I could kind of, I mean, then I'm off the ball more, and Marcus does his thing. Obviously, I'd probably say, if I'd say 99.9 percent people would say Marcus is better with the ball than I am, but <laughs> but when he gets downhill, we can play off each other's strengths. So like if I if I can catch and shoot, and then Marcus get downhill, it opens him up, gets into the paint. So then when we in the fall, like before we started actually playing games. Marcus really just took the pressure off of everybody because then we had that ball handler that that could get to anywhere on the floor, but also had a, like a pass first mentality and then always get a bucket later, you know. Mm. So it was nice. It made everything easier when Marcus got back. Did you guys but like playing without him? Hello, you still there? Yeah. Sorry, my internet sucks. 
you're freezing a little a little bit. Um, I just wondered, what, did you guys have any conversations, you, uh, the three of you, um, that you felt like, you know, from it's different, I guess, playing on the court and doing it that way and, and playing with each other, but not everything always goes right on the court, you know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be points where the three of you are pretty connected from a leadership standpoint so the rest of the group can follow. What was the the evolution of that in terms of your guys' relationship in being able to say the say what needs to be said in moments where things are getting difficult and being comfortable with it, not really taking it personally, I guess. Mitchell, you can lead off. Sorry. We were, I don't know, afraid to step on each other's toes and, and, and like, afraid to, like, call each other out. But then I would really attest, like, bringing Jack, Doc, and Danny into it. Uh, they kind of just showed us how to do it and how to approach it and how to keep that relationship but also grow as a unit. And that really helped us at, at all points of the year. Then – when we when we started working with those guys, uh, kind of gave us ways to talk to each other and really grow instead of not necessarily call each other out, but call each other out. You know, because mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day, we're all competitive. We're all trying to we're all trying to achieve the same thing. We're all trying to win games, and you just have to figure out the approach because everybody's different. Marcus is different than Ty is different from Dame, so you have to understand how to go at guys. But if the, if the three of us are connected then you can get the rest of us connected. But if the three of us are all strung out and not on a string, then then the other guys don't – they don't have anything to follow. So we, we really talked a lot with them about those leadership qualities, and then we just slowly developed them throughout the year. And then at the end of the season, obviously, we were at a, we were at a high level leadership-wise. And like Marcus said, we were just having fun with one another and listening to one another. So it was a thing of beauty at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, I can piggyback off what he said. You know, having Jack, Dog, and Danny with us, you know, they, they, you know, they were just, you know, always giving us little, little pointers, you know, here and there. You know, not, not like not only with basketball, but like with leadership. So they were, they were awesome. You know, <clears throat> and then you know, I thought me, Mitch, and Ty, we really, you know, a few times. But the time we met, uh, was, was it after Villanova the first game, Mitch? No, it was after. It was after it. It was after a lot. Was it after Nova? <clears throat> Doesn't matter. It was after a, I think we lost, and then we met together for like an hour or two, and you know we just talked about you know what you know what what we need to do differently, or like what we need to do more. You know that's when I you know started to see, you know our voices you know really be heard not only in the games but in practice. It it was after Georgetown. It was after Georgetown, yeah. Because then we had – because then we talked, and after we talked for a while, we were like, yo, we could really finish the Big East 13-5. and five. Like, we – or <clears throat> what are we, something in three. You said 14-4. 14-4. Yeah. But then we ended 13-5. and five. So, I was like, Marcus, real life, like, if we play the way we're supposed to play, we could be 14-4. and four. And then, obviously, we had that slip-up of Providence. But everything else, you know, it's going to happen. The Big East is a, it's a gauntlet. So you're going to slip up every once in a while because teams are, teams are so skilled and talented. So that was really a turning point, honestly, was that Georgetown game because we lost a game we shouldn't have when we were on the road. We felt like we shouldn't have. We felt like we were the better team. So when we let that slip, we were like, all right, 
we're obviously not playing to, to our potential. So let's let's figure something out. I'm glad you guys brought up turning points because that after the Georgetown game is one that I think everybody's going to kind of look at for sure. But one, I think there were, I think, I think there were several in the season where you guys, you know, leveled up, like where you maybe convinced yourselves, Hey, okay, we can be a good team. All right. We can be NCAA tournament. Good. Okay. We can win the big East. Like I think there were moments in the year where you guys almost, where you did something that convinced you guys that, more was capable and you guys could achieve more. I think starting with that, with the non-con, because you guys lost Jacob, Davion in, in, you know, before the season even started and you obviously knew you weren't going to have Denzel for the first 10 games. Like when you went into that, those first six and, you know, took the beating from San Diego state, like I know your focus was there for Texas tech, but where was your confidence in the group? Because I can't imagine you know, you're coming back on the floor the day after a 30-point loss feeling super confident about what's going on. Like, where was where was the confidence at that point? My confidence was in Mr. Degrowski, so I'll let him take it. <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I, I got to give credit to Coach Matt for that because I remember versus San Diego – no, yeah, versus San Diego State, it was, in, it was like the eight-minute timeout. You know, we were all – like, all the uh, starters were subbed out and – <clears throat> Coach brought us the whole team in. He was like, you know, obviously this game didn't go how we wanted to go, but you know, this whole season will determine how we bounce back the next game. And you know, he really, he just finds a way to calm us down in like in the biggest storms. You know, if that makes any sense. And I thought that really helped us get over the San Diego State game. And then I thought as a group collectively, we uh, we just worried about you know winning that next game and not going <clears throat> not going on to in that tournament. And um, you know, obviously thought that was a turning point because Texas Tech was a great team and. You know, I thought we uh, really, um, you know, played really well that game. <clears throat> Were you guys good? Like, how did you guys not – how did you guys not let it get on tilt when they erased the lead and got it to overtime? Like, did, did any of the – did your confidence, like, waver at all? I mean, were you like, man, we just kind of blew this one? Or what, what was going on maybe right before overtime started? Because you guys owned the overtime period, so it's not like there wasn't any adversity to deal with there, but – you know, up to that point, it kind of felt like Texas Tech was taking the game over. Did you guys feel like you were losing the grip a little bit, or what happened? Uh, number 11 was on my side, so I just gave him the rock. <laughs> he just got him, Marcus, this way. <laughs> I just gave him the rock. Honestly, I thought, like, and I'm being honest, I thought we just had really, like, a calm to our team that game. I thought that was the first game, you know, ever since I've been at Crane where, you know, when stuff's flying back, you know, everywhere, you know, I thought we were really calm, and I thought, you know, that was – what Mitch brought to the team, you know, like the rest of the year, every time something hit us, it was real calm, you know. He was real calm. He just he, he just knew how to, you know, calm us down on the floor. And, you know, that really helped us. And I remember it's like an example of this was at Villanova. And I threw the ball at Mitch and he wasn't, you know, like, he wasn't looking. Like, that was all my fault. Like, I shouldn't have done that. And I, I, and I was, like, really mad at myself. And he came over. It's on, it's, on the, it's on the game. He calmed me down. He's like, bro, next play, next play. I think he was just glad you didn't take you know, his. Hand. I'm just, you know how I get when I make a mistake, and I was just pissed on myself. And so just stuff like that, you know. I thought that, you know, he was probably just happy he didn't get actually get hit in the face with the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, it was crazy. Like what Marcus is talking about the in in the years past, when teams would hit us with runs, we would just bold like. Like that avalanche, that avalanche would come down. And we never knew how to control it. And half of it, 
three quarters of it was all internal and everything that we could kind of control, like our emotions and the way we, we reacted to adversity and all that. So when everything hit, we would just, we would fold. We weren't, we weren't mentally tough enough to finish games. And we, our mental, our lack of mental detail turned into like physical turnovers and just being in wrong spots and bad positions. But then when we became aware of it and like, Hey, this is, we've been playing like this for 36 minutes. Why play some other way the last four? Like why tighten up and, and not play the way we usually play or the way we played the first 36. So we really got to play in that last four, like we did the, the first 36, because at the end of the day, like you talked about like the confidence level in Vegas. I mean, we had nothing to lose. We just got to be by 30. And when we play like we have nothing to lose and we're playing loose and we're playing with that, that freedom that coach Matt gives us and, and like, everybody's playing at a high level from a confidence standpoint. I mean, it's just, it, it's unmatched to when we're playing like really tight in like that last four minutes, we're tightening up and we're doing uncharacteristic things. So I think we did a really good job. Like Marcus said, just getting over that and kind of just playing the way we play for 40 minutes instead of the first 36. Mm -hmm. I love that game. That was, that went OT, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're talking about, you talking about tech? Yeah, that was OT, right? Yeah. Yeah. And again, when you got a bucket on the floor, you just right. give him the rock. Yeah, that was Marcus's first 30 spot, I think. <laughs> that, that was light work. <laughs> I mean, that was light work. He had Davide, he had, he had Davide Moretti chasing, chasing ghosts or whatever, as they say. Yeah. Once you see this Jordan, once you see this Jordan documentary, you'll understand. Just when someone's hot, give him the rock. Facts. Facts. Uh, the other one, though, I think – and I think this is the one that's going to be, like, long-lasting in terms of what everybody remembers as, like, why Creighton won the Big East. And it's kind of funny because uh, had you guys lost, like, that's how close the race was. You wouldn't have made it happen. But, you know, that Providence game where I can't even tell you the laundry list of things that were, you know, going wrong for you. Like, you know, Marcus was out of it. Ty was hurt. Kelvin was hobbled. David Duke is going off. Like, it just felt like there were everything, every all of the factors that were going to determine who won this game were not in Creighton's favor, and yet somehow you guys pulled it out. Um, and I just wonder, what what did it take down the stretch, you know, for Ty to, you know, just kind of forget the knee for a minute, and, and then Marcus, obviously, to just clear your head enough to to make that shot over, over Pipkins and, and give you guys a lead, like, that, that those plays on the stretch that you guys made. Hold up. Can we can we get to the plays down the stretch after 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 a couple inside things on the start of the game? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> this this dude. I remember talking to you when we were warm ups. You're like, Where's yeah. Marcus? I was like, where's I was Marcus kidding. at? You're like, he's done, dude. <laughs> I was like, he's done. He's not playing. I said, Marcus. I said this at like the 30 minute mark in warm ups. You <laughs> really did. So oh, then, so then I go back in the. So then we go back before the game, and Marcus is in there like just days to like he didn't know where he was at and I'm like oh crap he really might be done so then I came out we came out like the four minute mark and I saw you again and I was just like he's not going but then Marcus finally came out I remember when Marcus got in the game his eyes I mean he time was out going, though time out real quick I, I can tell this story a lot better because you're leaving out oh, details you're leaving out details uh, of your prankster skills like that I think people need to hear about First, you guys are all warming up or whatever. And and it's not, like, normally a big deal when you guys all don't come out together because some of you guys need, like, extra tape and all that kind of stuff. So 
I don't usually like raise my eyebrow at it, but it was getting to the point where it was like it was kind of surprising when Marcus wasn't on the floor yet. And I and Mitch was just chilling by the scorer's table while everybody was shooting. It was like, where's where's Marcus at? And he goes, Oh, he broke his ankle trying to dunk in uh in the layup line. He's done. I knocked on wood. Yeah, I knocked on wood, bro. Yeah, he was like he's like he broke his he broke his ankle trying to dunk. He's done. He's out. And I was like, What are you talking about, man? He's like, No, serious. So he like he tried to play it, tried to play it like that was real. And so like I'm sitting there and they go back into the tunnel for the last time, and I'm like thinking He's not serious. Like that's not that didn't just happen. And then well, I Mitch really, it well. I know he did play it well. Then he really comes out. He comes out for the last time, and he walks straight up to me. He goes, "Hey, I was just kidding about the ankle, but he's seriously like, I don't know if he's gonna play. He's not feeling right." And like, so I think he <laughs> felt bad. He was like, his prank actually like led to something. He was like, because you could see there was some guilt on his face. He's like, "Hey, for real though, he's he might not play." <laughs> yeah, I was a little nervous. But then when I was we we started Marcus checks in. I, I, he didn't start that game, I don't think. And he came no. in at like the I don't know what time he came in, but he came, he comes in. This dude comes off a ball screen. I mean, looked terrible. He did. tried to thread tried to thread a pocket pass, threw it off a guy's leg. I was like, uh oh, this might be a long night. It happened for like three straight possessions. Marcus was doing some crazy stuff, and I was like. What is going on? I was like, Mac, move me to the one or something. Like, this is crazy. So, and then I saw Marcus. Marcus in the huddle so mad because he didn't, he couldn't control himself. Like, he didn't know what he was doing, but he thought he could. Like, his mind was trying to do one thing and his body was doing the other. And it was, like, not working. And it was so, like, at the time of the game, I was dying. Like, it was so funny. And Marcus was so mad because he couldn't control himself. But then – yeah, Marcus, you can get going into the second half, though. Yeah, I remember, Marcus, you said uh, – I don't know. I don't think you said it right after the game, but you said it, like, maybe a day or two later or whatever. You're like – because I said, yeah, you hit that shot, and it looked like Cooley wanted to fight you because you were doing the Billy strut in front of him. And Cooley was, like, pointing at the ref at you, like, trying to get you teed up or whatever. And I was like, it looked like Cooley wanted to fight you. And he's like – you were like, the way I was playing, Mac wanted to fight me, too. Like, <laughs> well, how did you get yourself to- – how did you get yourself together in that game? Like. How did you convince Mac to even let you stay in with the way, you know, the way it was going? I don't know why he let me stay in, to be honest. <laughs> I don't know. You know, that last play, I, it was probably the only good thing I did all game. You know, I, I just said, you know, whatever happens, if I miss it, it's probably the best thing that's going to happen to me all game, even if I missed it because I was so bad at that game. So it was kind of like a whatever attitude and just shot it. But, yeah, yeah. that game, I don't know. I tried I- to- I don't know what happened. I try to wait from from my memory. You know, the first thirty nine <laughs> minutes and fifty seconds of that game. <laughs> no, take, but, me, take me through the read though, because I think you were trying to get the ball to tie at first because he was hot. Yeah, he I had just like, but but they but they kind of like face guarded him or whatever, and you kind of had to make a read whether to, you know, whether to try to force it to him or make a play. Like, what, what was going through your mind, and how did you decide so quickly to just raise up and shoot it? I mean, right, right before the play, I mean, I said, "I can get it." Like. Go, go go win the game for us, and then uh, they obviously denied him, and I went to go get in. And the place it's called uh, it's, we coaches does this, and whoever comes up and sets like a butt screen. It was Mitch that time, and he dude just backed up crazy. So I was like, oh, was it me? Shoot. Yeah, it was you. I don't remember. All right. Yeah, you and you you were in it because I remember like you went for a rebound, and then I went in. And you like ran back, like you were like even with me. They were teed up. <laughs> yeah, you just backed up, and I just shot it. 
We did back up. And when you're uh, – Marcus is uh, – Marcus is a good 5'11", but Pip's still a little smaller than him, so. <laughs> so he could get the shot over him. Yeah. But all jokes aside, the, the baseline pull-up was tough from Ty to get us to that point. Oh, yeah. And then I, I remember after the game, this is just another little tidbit, we were in the locker room and I was, I was yelling at Marcus. I'm like, Marcus, you're so tough, just telling him. And he's like, bro, we weren't going to lose if I shot it. We, the only thing that could have happened is we're going to overtime or winning the game. So it's like, honestly, it wasn't that big of a shot. He's like, if we were down one, yeah, it would have been crazy. But I was <laughs> like, no, Marcus, you're tough. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, Marcus trying to downplay it, but he just gamed them. So, well, like seven turnovers, probably mad yeah. misalignments on defense. <laughs> but it's I, okay. I, we, I really never experienced like I don't I don't know what happened. I still haven't seen you have a game where you turn the ball over the way you turned. It's not like just that you had six turnovers; the way you turned the ball over. It was like, what is you know? I didn't feel like that was Marcus out there. Yeah, they were literally like blatant. I mean, they were terrible turnovers. Like, it looked like Marcus never played basketball before. <laughs> it was crazy. And I was just sitting over there just sitting back on defense, like, all right, again? <laughs> again? It's crazy. Jet, sub, man. Read somebody, man. Mitch is, like, telling Marcus next possession and looking over at the bench going, yo. Somebody... Yo, Mac, we need to do something about this. <laughs> it was crazy. I remember I got something that I'm like, you know, I like apologize to the assistants. I'm like, I'm so sorry for this. <laughs> like, you're good. Just, just, just get your rest and get trying to help win the game. I was like, no, hey. but that was a huge game. Yeah, it was a huge game, Matt. You're right. Yeah, it kind of it kept you guys out of. I think you know, had you lost that, that's two and four, and that's a pretty big hurdle to clear. At that point, you're probably just trying to maybe avoid Wednesday or the playing day. You know what I'm saying? So it felt like it put you guys like I don't know back into the mix with the with the pack. And then that Villanova game on the road was where you probably probably thought, okay, we can kind of compete for the league title here because, you know, you're one and one with Nova and you're right there at the top of the standings, uh trying to chase down Seton Hall. Like did 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 you guys go into that Nova game thinking we got it gives you guys a chance to play for you know, to at least compete for the league title or were you just trying to get one back at that point? Personally, personally, we were – I don't know what other guys were thinking, but, I mean, the, the message that we tried to convey was when we honestly didn't care about the Big East title at that point. Like, we didn't care about winning the Big East. We knew we gave away one at home. Like, I mean, it honestly should have been a series swept, and we, we led that game, the whole game, and then, again, we let it slip. And then that was – I mean, that was honestly a turning point, too, because we had a lot of – we had a lot of losses like that the year before, so we were just trying to get over that hump. And then that Nova game really helped us for the rest of the year. Uh, we would have won it playing bad basketball at the end of the game. You know what I mean? Like, we weren't playing the way we usually play. Like, we can we can live with losses when we go down playing the way we play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In that Nova game, we did not play the last four minutes like like we did the rest of the year. So then we addressed that. We talked to everybody. We figured it out. And then when we went to their place, I mean, obviously we executed at a high level at their place, and everybody was making shots, and Denzel was doing his thing, Marcus was doing his thing. Like it was, it was good. Like everything was working out. So then down the stretch, we just we kept making shots. And then when when stuff like that happens, 
it's 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 easier. But even when you're missing shots and you and, and you get good looks, then you can kind of live with it. So that was my take on that game. And that was, but that was more of redemption. Like we we wanted payback for that one mm. because we knew we'd let one slip. Was that like Marcus? Was there like a lot of I guess <clears throat> when you think about what you guys have talked about in terms of you know not folding when when someone starts to get some rhythm and starts to punch starts to score a little bit. You know, Noah, you guys played awesome in the first half, but they kind of got at you guys in the second half and, and cut the lead down. And it felt like every time they did that, you had an answer, you had a run that that put them back. You know, behind the eight ball. Did you guys feel like? That was a growing up point that Nova game on the road because, you know, they did they did come back at you. They did start to play like they normally play, but it didn't matter because you guys were able to put another cushion in between you guys and them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like after that first game around when we let it slip, I, you know, I remember like talking about it and we were like, we're honestly like better than them. Like, like that's just how I felt. I don't know how everyone like. I knew. I, 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 I knew everyone else thought, you know, we were, you know, better than them. You know, we just let it slip. So going into Villanova, I thought we had uh, like, um, like, like lots of confidence and, and, but also a chip on our shoulder because we we let it slip. And in that second half, yeah, they were going on a run, but you know, I I, I still think we, we kind of controlled that whole game, you know, and and just and just knowing that and you know knowing how you know just how confident we were that game, um, we weren't really worried, you know. I, I remember Colin Colin started getting going, but. You know, I, I knew Ty was feeling himself and Mitchell Ty. And, you know, once 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 they get going, you know, it's really tough to beat us. Uh, Mitch, I'm glad you brought up Denzel because that was kind of like the first game where it felt like um, <clears throat> that whole group was really in sync with each other. I mean, there were moments in that game where it felt like you guys were unguardable at some, you know, at some stretches, like with the way you guys were playing. Did you feel like that was maybe one of the first examples – of a, of a game situation where you felt like no matter what lineup you guys put on the floor, the ones that you were using um, had a, had a capability of going to a point where it didn't matter what the defense was doing. Yeah, yeah. for sure. That was definitely, that was, that was a big, not a big game, like a, a game that really showed that, like showed that we could like how, how, I don't know just how many different ways we could throw punches at somebody, like on how many ways we made it difficult for defenses to guard us. Because I think we moved in out of the five at possessions that game with Dame at the four and me at the three, tied to two, Marcus at the one. And we had that lineup, we were really efficient. Mm-hmm. And just because you have Denzel, obviously somebody on the court has a mismatch. And a lot of times it's Dame and Denzel and and then later in the season, they started guarding them differently. So then Dame had all the world, all like all the space in the world. So then he started making shots, and then he was getting downhill, and it just opened up the rest of the floor for for the rest of us. But when you have Denzel who can get to the rim, I think he got a he, I think it was a, it should have been an M one, but he got to the paint and he pump faked and scored. And then that kind of got us back to going and kind of got our, our rhythm and momentum back. So I'd say that was definitely one of the games that really was a turning point for the five of us playing together, or like the lineups really gelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess, Marcus, went from a point guard standpoint, when you guys see how small you are on the floor, knowing that, you know, normally in the Big East, like, I don't think that's, 
I don't think teams have tried that before, like a five guard. I think Villanova's gone, five, you know, five out, but they really haven't had – they've had big dudes, you know what I mean? They've had post players. <laughs> like, it felt like you guys were five guards on the floor. Like, when, when did that thing to you feel like this could be – a weapon that nobody in the league possesses um, and it could be really effective. Yeah. You know that um, just having those five guards on the floor, you know, I think it, you know, it makes teams kind of, you know, try to adapt to us. You know, you saw when Seton Hall did it, you know, the first, the first game, the second game, no, the first, yeah, the first game at their place, you know, they kind of um, try to adapt to us, you know, and I just thought, you know, we, you know, just because we were small in Atlanta, you know, I think we play bigger than, you know, you know, than we actually are. You know, Denzel's a really strong guy. You know, he can guard, you know, a five-man if, if he has to. Damien's a really strong guy. Mitch has been guarding forwards his whole career at Grand, so, like, it doesn't matter, you know, he's guard, like, he'll guard whoever. I'm going to be 205 next year, so be played on it. Exactly. So, like, and then on the offensive end, you know, I don't, I don't know a, a defensive scheme that can kind of keep up, you know, with that lineup. You know, we have – Everyone is capable of making a three-point shot. Everyone's capable of driving, you know, dr- driving and making a play for somebody else, driving to score. You know, I, I just think, you know, it's just it's just so hard to guard. Like you can't you can't play a traditional lineup versus that lineup and expect to be successful. Yeah. You know? Also, I think the main reason, like, I'm not trying to gas Denzel up at all, but Denzel, I don't think you can do that offensively and defensively without a guy like Denzel. Mm-hmm. Because if you try and do that with five guards, you're still going to be taking advantage of on the defensive end. You know what I mean? But Denzel, like, is strong. Like, that dude is strong. And I, I'm sure every five men in the Big East would tell you how strong that dude is just because, like, no one could really have his way, have their way with him. Mm-hmm. And even though he's giving up height. And then vice versa on the offensive end, you have – you have a guy that can shoot the ball. You have a guy that can get downhill. And then at that time of the year, he was playing really, really good basketball. And he was playing within the offense. So he wasn't really trying to – he wasn't forcing 17-footers like he was at Arizona State. He wasn't He wasn't doing that stuff. He was over that. He bought into the system. So once he did that, then it gave us different variations to our offense and to our defense that we could really take advantage of. The teams really couldn't do anything against it. So then, like Marcus said, they had to – they had to adjust. They had to try and go five guards. But then if you have five guards, someone still can't guard Denzel. So it always presented a problem for other teams. And I think that's why we were really successful because we had a guy that like Denzel that could really exploit that position. Mm-hmm. That Seton, so that Seton Hall game, I think, was a was a, another one for another reason that people started to take notice. Obviously, the win was big um, because you had beaten the team, the hottest team in the league on the road. Um but also Ty locked up Miles Powell again or the, for the first time. So that kind of gave him Powell and Howard in terms of guys he had shut down. And I think that's when people started to notice a little bit that his defense had really gone to a new level. And it wasn't just a one-off. It was pretty consistent. But just how important was that to have a stopper, um, a guy that can chase you know guys through screens and, and use his length and his anticipation skills uh, to be able to shut down some of the top scorers in the, in the conference that, you know, that way – you know, it wasn't like you guys were trading buckets because you guys had someone who could bother their top scorer like that. Hello? You guys yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. I thought Tyson, those four games, you know, really, you know, 
highlighted it was versus Marcus Howard, Miles Powell. But he he did that all year, you know, versus guys that you know you may not know much about. But yeah, he was awesome. You know, it's it's it was it was really good to have someone that's you know really really dialed in, especially on trying to stop their best player and you know, having him and 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 him being able to you know bring it on the offensive end too was huge. So yeah, big credit to Tyshawn on doing that all year for sure. Yeah, my just to add a little bit to it. We had like bringing P. Less to our to our like scouting team and defensive defensive. I mean, he's a defensive guru. When he brought his that mind, that basketball mind to our team, it really put us in good situations on the defensive end. Because obviously, when you have a guy like Tyshawn who can guard on the perimeter and chase those guys, then you kind of. I mean, you have to you have to take when you're playing guys like Miles Powell, Marcus Howard. You have to you have to give them some things, and you have to and you have to give up some other things to other people. And Coach Les does an unbelievable job at realizing that, and he put us in positions for us to take away what the best player was trying to do, and maybe live with some other things that other guys were, were trying to do. And when you have a guy like Tyshawn that can guard from 23 feet and out, just force him to the rim. I mean, we have. We have five guys on the screen connected on the defensive end that can kind of help when he gets beat or when he gets when, when guys get downhill. And then, honestly, just when we did that, when we had those schemes and we executed those schemes, we were really successful. So credit to Tyshawn and P. Lusk because P. Lusk was, I mean, off the charts. That dude is high level. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because it is kind of like you're taking a gamble at some point with leaving guys. I think only St. John's was really the team that, made you pay for it um, in terms of who you guys identified in the scout to leave um, and focus on others. Like when, when, how much buy-in did you guys have in that right away when he was like, all right, we're going to leave this guy open, this guy open, this guy open. And you're probably thinking, I mean, these are D one basketball players. We're just not going to guard them. But I mean, the system kind of worked. Like it kept, it kept leading to bad shooters shooting their teams out of games. Like, you turn bad shooters into volume shooters and you turn volume shooters into like frustrating scorers. Like how did, when did you guys start to buy into that system? What point in the season did you believe that it was something that you guys could do for an entire year? You want me to take it, Marcus? Yeah, bro. All right. Uh, I think we started to buy into it at the, at the end of last year, to be honest. Uh, Obviously, when people less is bringing in new stuff, it's it's an adjustment. It's a learning period. And we also didn't have, like, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't in it on the defense. Like, I was there. I was trying to work hard, but I wasn't fully there on the defensive end. I would probably say Ty wasn't because he was capable of doing so. I'd probably say, I mean, Dame wasn't healthy to do it. Marcus couldn't move. So it was like we had a good plan. We just didn't execute it because we weren't really at that level mm. of – I don't know, lack of, for lack of a better term, we didn't have that le- that level of dog in us. So then, when we got when we started this season in the fall, um, we went through. Obviously, you're gonna you have new guys into the system. You're trying to teach people have new roles on the defensive end too. It's not just offense. And when you have those guys on the defensive end who are really bought into their new roles and the bought in buy into the concept of what P. Lusk and and Mac and Huss and those guys are trying to implement. Uh, then you can really start to see your defense take that next step. Like before Christmas, we were okay, uh, not very good. And then after Christmas, we really started to, to buy in on the defensive end. And we really just kind of, kind of, 
everybody was labeling us as scrappy. Like the media was always asking me about like, oh, Marcus is scrappy on the post. Like to to do what P. Lusk was putting in in for us, you had to have those guys to to do that those little things and just be scrappy and tough and and bring that energy on the defensive end. And when we really bought into that, I would say it was over Christmas break and going into conference plays when we were like, hey, if we – I mean, because we, we knew how talented we were on the offensive end. And yeah. then it was just like, hey, we put this together on the defensive end, we could be really special. And I would say we, start, we started to listen to it and buy in at the end of last year when we were like, hey, I mean, this wins. Like when you watch film repeatedly and you see this stuff come up, or blown assignments here or lack of effort here, then you can fix those things and allow them to not, like, be a bump in the road on the defensive end going down the stretch. So we really bought into that and we really figured it out after Christmas. Marcus, do you remember why and when it started to click for you? I remember, like, you know, defense was a pretty – something you spend a lot of time on after practice because, you know, just chopping your feet and trying to get the footwork down and – um and I know you were hurt that year, but I mean, when did it start to click for you that this was a good system and that, you know, you guys could all flourish to the level that your defense wouldn't kill you in games, that it could help you win some games? Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know, I'll be honest, I played defense in high school, so <laughs> I'm familiar with it coming to college. And then, you know, obviously, you know, my attention to, you know, knowing how to know, knowing the scout, knowing how to guard people. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't, you know, there yet as a freshman, you know, and then with the injury there, you know, it didn't make it easier, but, you know, once, like Mint said, at the end of my first year, you know, once we started to realize, you know, if we play decent offensively and play good defensively, we can win anything. And if we play, and then, and then we knew if we played really well offensively, but not, not nearly to uh, our standard for defense, we, 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 we could lose. So, so just knowing how to balance that and knowing that if we play really well defensively, you know, we're putting our, we're putting ourselves in a great position to win because, you know, we, we could have a bad offensive night and still score 80 points or still, you know, still score 70 plus. And um, so just knowing that in the back of our minds, you know, if, if we lock up for these next, you know, it was always, you know, yo, these next five minutes, let's not let them score. It wasn't, you know, these next five minutes, let's score this amount of points. It was always, you know, let's get three, let's, let's get two kills. Let's, let's do this. So it was always a mindset of, you know, I think our mindset kind of, went from let's turn our defense into offense instead of our, let our offense control how we act and stuff like that. You know, I thought we really let our defense um, kind of control how our mental how, how menta uh, mentality was, you know, just going to, like throughout the game. And, you know, in conference, you know, I thought we really did that. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. A lot. No, I was just going to say one last, like, final thing. When we – <clears throat> fast when we didn't when we didn't make shots we lost games but this last year when we didn't make shots our defense was good enough to win games so that was that was huge I, I you know my favorite stat of the season is and I, like when you think about the Butler home game the DePaul home game Georgetown home game um, and then the Seton Hall one where you guys put the run on together we'll talk about the Seton Hall one isolated in a minute but there was, I think there's a 38-minute stretch where you guys were, like, at that unguardable level. And I think you guys outscored – when you put the runs together that you guys went on in those games, um, I think you guys outscored them by 94 points in 38 minutes, which is just – I can't even – I don't think I'll see a basketball stat that blows me away as much as that one does. What did that feel like when you guys were just totally locked in, getting one stop after another? And I think it's funny because – 
you watch, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen KG tell that story about MJ from his rookie year or whatever. And it just felt like he said he felt like he was on defense the whole time. That's how it looked for the opponent. It was like they're constantly one and done on <laughs> offense and they're constantly chasing down, chasing down transition opportunities, trying to match up and getting dunked on and getting freeze dropped on. I'm like, it was just a, a onslaught that was not in their control at all. And I wonder what that felt like for you guys when you guys would do that, when you would hit that level in games. Um, what what keyed it? Like, what was what was the point where you were like, all right, here's where here's an opportunity where we can kind of bury them right now. Much you got. Um, you know, honestly, I, you know, once we went on those runs, you know, we kind of had the mindset of like, you know, we're supposed we're supposed to play like this, like you know, we're that good right now, like 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 this is us, you know, let's let's. It was always like a, a let's let's keep moving forward, let's keep growing, and you know, it never like we ne- like we never got complacent with uh. With how good we played at certain times, you know that, that was that was why it happened so consistently in those games. Because you know we didn't let some success, you know, deter the next thing. And having that mentality was, you know, and, and as a group, you know, it was it, it was great to have, and that's why we were so successful. Yeah, and just building off of that, like we really got to that next play mentality. Uh, we everybody always talks about it. Everybody always says, like if you make a mistake or you're doing something good, always get to the next play. We didn't really possess that until, I mean, this second half of the year, this year. And we possessed that next, next that, that next play mentality, both when we were, when we weren't playing well and when we were playing well. But then when we, I mean, when we were at home, we were playing at a high level and the crowd's going in, getting into it. And you see those guys like Dame and Denzel, like they have a huge smile on their face. Like, we thrive off that. Like, we thrive off each other's energy. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, like, as much as I like hitting 35-footers or whatever, like, I like I like Marcus getting downhill and having a jelly finish. Like, that gets me going. So then when, when, when Marcus does things like that, Ty's hitting tough shots or Denzel's doing, doing what he does and, and all those dudes are just playing at a high level, that kind of makes you want to get into it and get, like, kind of join the party, join the fun. And – when when the crowd's going crazy and everybody's doing playing at a high level, then you're honestly just happy for your boys. And I think all of us had kind of the same approach. Like everybody wanted to, everybody wants to score the rock. Like when you play basketball, everyone wants to get buckets. But then when you find the beauty in other people scoring, then when you score, it's like you'd rather have other people score because it's just it was fun. Like the crowd feeds off of it, different bodies scoring, and it's just the whole team's just into it and grinding and everybody's locked in. So it, when we're at that level, like I said, playing loose earlier, it's, it's unbeatable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the fans' favorite play of the season, favorite play is when Mitch shoots a 35-footer, though. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime he lets one go, the crowd Marcus, goes <laughs> Marcus, Casey, Casey sent me a video the other day. Uh, you remember we were playing Cal Poly and you threw it to me at the bird and I <laughs> shot it and you were, your body language was like, what? <laughs> like what the heck? Yeah, I remember that. And then, then you were like, that's your fault. You were like, that's your fault. You you passed to me when I, when I was out there. How was that? No, because Marcus and I, the whole year, we were always talking about, hey, if I'm leading you and you're trailing, just be ready to shoot it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I always told you, trail me, trail me. There were yeah, so many times. Like, there were so many times, bro, when I would dribble up, and the defense would see it coming. They're like, nah, nah, nah. Yes. <laughs> like, bro, this year, bro, take it, bro. Marcus, Marcus got to the point. He's like. He would start to dribble to me, to me, and set up the flip, the flip back. 
But then sometimes he'd flip it back and two dudes would be on me. I'm like, dang. <laughs> but but early in the year, he's like, he's like, yo, anytime I dribble over to you and flip it back, you shoot it. And I was like, bet. You got to tell me twice. Yeah. Marcus, I don't know if you know this, but Mitch hit more threes from 30-plus feet than the entire Big East this year. That's, that's, I saw that. I saw that stat. Did you tweet something about that? Yeah. I think I saw that tweet. I was like, unbelievable. Like, that's Great. just a you stat. Yeah, that was crazy. Well, it's also, it's also – it's a you stat. You're the one who shoots yeah. from out there. You just, you just, bro, you had more opportunity to shoot more, bro. You just mad at – The just, thing is, the thing is, Matt, run back that stat. I think I missed, like, my last four opportunities. Oh, really? Yeah, you didn't take, like, five, bro. I went cold late in the year. I was I was letting the fans down, man. I never wanted one more than the DePaul one. I really wanted that one. Yeah. I, I, just, I just beat a dude off the glass. I was I was going crazy. Yeah, bro. If you didn't block that thing, I, I was going to shoot it, bro. In my head, I'm like, I <laughs> You were waiting for me. You were waiting for me. And then when I finally – he flipped it back to me. That's the problem. He did. He, he like dribbled. It was like a dribble handoff. It was like a dribble. It was like a DHO. It was like a DHO at 35 feet. It seriously was. Yeah, it was like it was like. Sorry, I'm KU guy, you know, but it was like Sharon Collins and Mario that little flip back, you know. Mm -hmm. I remember after you were like, my bad. I was like, bro, we're up 40. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, you're like shoot. <laughs> right, right you Max, Max, like, <laughs> Max started giving me crap for it too. Dude, the arena would have exploded if you hit that. You didn't even miss it that bad either. It was just like a little I long. It was, oh, it was, I know. I was like, it looked good. When I let it go, I was like, uh oh, this could be crazy. No, I think people would have people would have been falling over themselves if that gone in. That was like that was at the end of the all the huge run. That was yeah. The, the arena couldn't have handled that, so I'm glad you missed it because it wouldn't have been safe. Yeah, good. I'll save it. I'll save it for my senior year, you know. Heck yeah. yeah. Um no, like uh, let's let's go into the Seton Hall game a little bit because actually let's go with the Georgetown game. When you guys won that game, and then you're sitting around watching Seton Hall Villanova. Um, what 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 did you what was your what was you guys like? I don't know what was that night for you guys like knowing that you know you probably felt a little disappointed after the St. John's game because had you know you were still in control of your own destiny period at that point, but then you lost, so you were kind of needed help. Um, when you beat Georgetown and then you saw that Villanova hung on and beat Seton Hall and that the that Seton Hall was coming to Omaha on the last day and you guys were going to decide it basically, what, what was – what did you guys – I don't know, what was your mindset like after that Georgetown game after seeing Villanova won? Was it – did you feel like there was some – were you reinvigorated in a way that you felt like you guys um, – what you thought let slipped away, now you had an opportunity back and you guys got to play for a Big East title? Did you think yeah, about it at all? I don't know. Marcus, Mitch, anybody? I didn't really let it like, get to me like, oh, it's, it's, it's bigger than a, a game. You know, I, I always try going into every game like it's the same. Like, it's, it's, a, it's the next opportunity, you know, for, for us. And, but in the back of my mind, I had, I had a lot of confidence going into, into Seton Hall because I knew, I knew we had a great chance to win. You know, we were home. You know, we beat them at their place. And Mitch, Mitch didn't score that game, and we still won. You know, if you would ask me that before the season, if you would win a game, you know, regardless who we play, you know, if Mitch doesn't score, are we gonna win? I'm, I don't know, and especially not at Seton Hall. So knowing that, and then, you know, I was just confident, you know, and then you know, just having that back in mind. You know, if we win, we're we're hanging a banner. So, you know, I I always like playing in big games. So I was I wasn't like like worried or anything. Nervous. I mean, obviously there's nerves there, but they're good nerves. And I was I was just really excited for the opportunity and just knowing, you know, it was gonna be a crazy game and you know one of the best games in history at Creighton. I'm just happy to be a part of it. 
Yeah. Obviously, after the St. John's game, it was – I mean, we knew we let it slip. Uh, obviously, we caught St. John's that I think they shot like <laughs> like 54-plus from the three, and our game plan was take away – and we were, we were to play inside out. So, at the end of the day, you just – you live with it. And obviously, we could have been a little better. I was also terrible at that game. Marcus was terrible. So <laughs> – <laughs> when we have those games, it's just like you just got to live with it. And when we lost like that, it was like, I don't know, we had a chance to do it. We didn't. I mean, obviously, you could have looked back at the Georgetown game. That was a loss. Villanova, that was a bad loss. Like, the at Providence, like, you, you don't you don't just pinpoint it to one certain game. You There's a lot of things that lead to it. And then uh, after we won the Georgetown game at home, uh, I remember we were watching that out in the little – tunnel or tunnel area or whatever on that little TV up there. And everybody was excited. I mean, everybody wanted uh, Villanova to win, obviously. I mean, in the back of your mind, you do too because you want to – I mean, obviously you want to have a chance to play for a, for, for a conference title. You can't say you don't because we're all competitors. We all want to win. But at the end of the day, it didn't really affect the way, like Marcus said, like our approach to any of the other games or any of the games coming up. But like, we just try to stay in the moment. I mean, obviously, soak it all in because we knew, obviously, when Villanova won, we knew the Seton Hall game was going to be crazy. Uh, crowd was going to be into it. We were going to be into it. It was going to be a heavyweight game. And like we talked about before the game, I'll let you talk about that later. But uh, it was just an opportunity, like Marcus said, an opportunity for another opportunity to play the game. And obviously, it ended up being our last game. So it was cool to go out on a win, essentially. And then halftime loss. Yeah, so like before the before the game, Mitch comes up and grabs my recorder and starts to interview me, because um, he wants to know he wants to know what the historical ramifications are of this game, basically, and if it's the biggest game ever. Um, so I was trying to downplay it a little bit because I don't like to let his head get too big. I was like, nah. Yes, yeah. I have a problem with that though. <laughs> I'm glad you downplayed me. No problem. Yeah, I was like, no, nah, it's just like an exhibition game. You're good. Uh, <laughs> no, but like, well, when did you guys start to feed off the vibe of the crowd? I, honestly, it felt like when Ty pinned Powell, when he when he pinned Miles, and then DJ punched on Mamu, like Mamu, like that. I don't think I've heard the crowd louder all season, and then it just sustained its level of energy the rest of the way. Did you feel like, um, yeah, that that sequence good. where Ty pinned Miles and, and and DJ got the dunk in transition, like that, that kind of ignited the whole thing and it never stopped from there. Yeah, that was filthy. That was that was unbelievable. I had the best angle too. <laughs> it was so it was amazing. nasty. That was definitely one of the like a turning point in the first half, if you'd say. Um and then obviously uh the second half and another Dane play, uh, I'll let you guys pick that one out. But it was <laughs> unbelievable. And then we 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 just we feed off that. Honestly, like, when we see Dame out there doing – like, Dame is Dame when he's doing stuff like that. You know, like, sometimes – like, it's not bad. It's not – it's just who he is. Everybody has a different approach to the game. and Everybody has a different way to stay in the moment and be great. You know, like, everybody has a different approach, uh, different, different focus level. And that's just him. When he's playing like that, like, like Dame's a dog. Like, sometimes in open gym, like, He'll, get, he'll, he'll voice his opinion and get going. And, and that just brings the competitiveness out of all of us. So when he did that, it was like 
it just triggered all of us. And Marcus did his thing, and everybody just played at a high level. I like how Marcus is just sitting there, like, listening to Mitch talk about guys who talk on the court, and Marcus was talking, like, a crazy amount that game. I remember <laughs> I remember you guys – I remember – I remember that for him to say. <laughs> I remember you came out at halftime, and you guys were getting ready to inbound the ball for the second half. And I swear, I don't even know if you know you were doing this, but you were, like, just rapping. What were you – do you remember what you were doing? Sometimes in games, I'll just I'll, I'll rap a song or something in my head. I mean, you rapped the whole song. Like, you were, like, psychotically focused and, like, bobbing That's your head. Quin Quincy McKnight's, like, five feet away, and you're just rapping to him, like. No, no, it's to myself. That's one of the things Doc, you know, really, he's like, yo, if you ever, like, want to be in the moment and not worry about, you know, all the stuff's going on, just rap, just sing it, rap a song in your head and just focus on that. And then, you know, you know, what I'm, like, you know, if you, if you think about, if you think too much of basketball, it's going to mess you up. And that's and that's one of my uh, things that I do sometimes. So I just try and just let this just rap a song and chill. But yeah, that game was you know I wouldn't say personal at all. You know, I, like I just remember last year when I hurt my hand, they was they and Miles and all those guys were saying stuff like always oh, uh, his hand broke, he's this and that, and they were talking the whole game. So I was and then I think Jet told me this before the game. I think Miles Powell told went at Jet and said I'm, I'm about to score fifty on you guys tonight. I, I think Jet. I think Jet told me that before the game I just thought that was a little cool not cool I don't want to call him up I just didn't like that and yeah but I mean that's that's like that, that, was, that just that, that, like I, mean, I just remember like that was just going through my head like throughout the game like all week okay like yeah we'll, well I mean that's I think that's what's fun about basketball that people maybe I don't know if you're uh like viewing it from the outside and or watching it on tv and you see guys talking and John um you know, some people don't like that, but it's like that's kind of what basketball does. When you guys are, when you guys are all like flowing and playing the way you're supposed to be playing, and it's a high level game, you can't really help but talk to each other. Like it's just it's part of like the game itself. It's not, yeah, it was, not it, bad sportsmanship. It's just like there's a mental component to putting somebody on tilt and talking trash is the way to do it. Like, that's just yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a trash talk throughout the game. I remember one time when Miles got his second foul, and like me and a few other guys were like, "That's too, that's too." Like it's just like. <laughs> funny it's like right like, yeah. I like playing basketball where it's like you're like you're talking trash but you're being funny about it yeah like, I'm gonna be rah, 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 this and that yeah and the good thing but about yeah. basketball is like 99 percent of it is all like it's all love like right. everybody respects everybody everybody has like everybody has a different part of their game that they're better than someone else at like everybody respects each other so it's it's i mean it's fun like we try i mean we even tell the refs like we're good like obviously sometimes it escalates like that's just human nature that's just emotions when emotions get the best i mean it happens but at the end of the day like it's all love like, yeah right, right after it's all love like when we dab tans and we you know, i've seen all sort of a lot of respect we showed a lot of respect it was, yeah it's just basketball you know you just had to win yo my fault <laughs> <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about that let's talk about that that final run though that final punch uh because there's so many things that stand out from that run. Like Seton Hall had just taken the lead after you guys had kind of – I think you guys were up five, and then they put an 8-0 run on you and took the lead. Um, and then Christian got the three-point play. He put the five-guard uh, lineup back in the game for the last nine minutes. Um, and then, I mean, you seriously scored on 12 of 13 possessions. You didn't – I think Ty missed the three at the top of the key long, and that was the only shot you guys missed that whole time. Um, <laughs> did you guys – was, was there anything that was said in the huddles or, you know, either between the players on the court, between you guys on the court, or 
you know, in the timeout with the coaches that you felt like it was, it was getting down to crunch time and they were probably going to start to start to assert themselves a little bit. If, you know, basically whoever punched first here was going to be the team that kind of took the game over. Honestly, we didn't say any of that in the huddle. We just kind of said, keep doing what we're doing. Uh, but that last, like you said, 13 possessions was like, it was kind of like your turn, my turn kind of thing. Like everybody was just feeding off one another. And I remember when Denzel, I think Denzel hit a pull up like, way uncontested, like wide open 17 footer at the free throw line, basically. Yeah, I, remember that play. I think he hit that pull up. And then I was like, all right, this might be over with. And then I remember Dame hit the 17 footer like a couple possessions later, or maybe before or after. I think it was after. Because Denzel hit that pull up from 17, and I was like, "All right, it's done." Like Dame's hitting pull ups, he's hit, he's hitting pull ups. I'm making layups. Like, what is going on here? And it was just, it was, it was like your turn, my turn, and then kind of just fed off one another. And the ball just found the found the hot guy and found the open shot. And that's that's the beauty of playing in the system that Coach Mack started. You know, when you play when you play in that system and you trust it, then everybody everybody benefits from it. Yeah, Marcus, you and Ty, like, made so many plays on both ends of the floor down the stretch. And it was like – I think it was like three-pronged in a way because you guys were making plays defensively, you were making plays on offense, and then both of you were, like, letting the plays uh, kind of marinate a little bit because if you, you would make a play, then you would make sure you turned to the crowd and, like, flex the jersey and make sure they got into it. I, was there like a concerted effort on your part to raise the energy level after you guys would do something crazy? Like, were you, were you like, all right, we got to make sure this one, this one carries some momentum or were you just out there balling? Yeah, honestly, we, we were just out there balling. You know, we, we knew in the back, back of our head, like the stakes of, of this game, we, we knew it was huge, you know, not only for us, but the whole community, you know, that's, you know, I, I try and play with more emotion, you know, growing up, I, I never really played with, with emotion. And, you know, in those big games, I like to play with emotion because it, it brings out the best to each other. And, you know, Ty, Ty's always like that. You know, I remember going to Ty, I think at one point game, Ty was struggling offensively right before, and I went to him, I was like, yo, let's, like, you're playing great. You're, you're doing, you're playing great defense, you know, take us home, you know, offense. And then he started playing really well. And I was, I remember, I remember I pushed him. It was like by the Seton Hall bench and Seton Hall players got all mad. And then we, the all, we all went over there and started clapping. So we knew we had – that's when I knew I was like, they, they aggravated. They, they, like, they're mad right now. So, you know, once – and then, you know, you just play free. And, you know, I just like games like that where you kind of make it bigger than, you know, you know the team. It's just the whole, everyone's involved almost. So it was cool. I've always told people, like, I have a screenshot of – because Ty had just uh... – hit that three over Mamu when he was ISO'd. And so he was in front of Seton Hall's bench. They call a timeout, and Marcus is, like, just shoving him and getting in his face in front of Seton Hall's bench. And they're trying to do their timeout huddle, so Miles just shoves Ty, like, get out of here kind of thing. And both Marcus and Ty, you guys turned around and, like, kind of went back, and Willard, like, got in the way. And I just screenshotted that. Like, that was – I feel like that was my favorite shot of the game because – it, it encapsulated everything from the confidence you guys had. Um, you know, you, you weren't going to back down no matter what they did. And, and Mitch even said it in the huddle. I think there was a timeout in the huddle, Mitch, where you were like, look, they're, they're not going to quit, so we got to keep going. And do you remember what you were talking about then and remember what the point in the game where, where you felt like you guys were starting to get it going a little bit, but you felt like they weren't going to just lay down for you, that you had to sustain it? Yeah, I think it was 
Yeah, it was probably the Asian market or something. I think I know what you mean, what you're talking about. We were, we were in the huddle. I mean, when you're playing teams with elite scores that can score in bunches and, and hit you with flurries quick, you kind of have to just recognize it and make every, make sure everybody else is aware of the fact that, I mean, the game's not over yet. Like, especially, like, I just think about it roles reversed. If we're down nine in that same situation, I mean, we can we can cut the lead to two and two possessions or three and two possessions. You know what I mean? Like, we score at a high level, and other teams are capable of doing the same thing. Like, we've experienced it before. And if you can get just keep everybody level-headed and just locked in and not blow any assignments, then you can really stretch the lead and really take care of things both offensively and defensively. And we, we did a good job of just finishing the game and executing at a very high level. I mean, that was our execution – and that last 13 possessions, both offensively and defensively, is the highest it's been all year. So, I mean, it was awesome. It was fun. But uh, the thing that, that you were saying with Todd, when he hit that three at the top of the key, my favorite part was, I mean, he stopped playing. He looked, yeah, through his lips, looked at the crowd. Stop playing. Like, it was crazy. I was like, God, because stuff like that you don't notice during the game. But then I'm watching film, and I'm like, this dude is crazy. <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun when you see stuff like that because mm-hmm. that's Todd. You know, like that's his emotion. Like he's he's playing at a high level. He just hit a big time shot. Like reward him. You know, you have a right to celebrate. You know, it's justified. Like enjoy it, man. Because at the end of the day, the game stops. So I like stuff like that. What made, what made that even more cold blooded was I think I'm pretty sure Miles got him uh, the possession before it, and he came right back and got Miles back, like just to let him know. And then he just stopped, like, dead in the middle of the floor and was, like, just looking around, like, that's ball game, basically. And the game is still going on. Yeah, exactly. Like, they're running back. Um, I don't know. Marcus, and I know this is probably a little bit bittersweet because, you, you you know, you were hurt and you probably weren't, you know, sure what was going on. There was a little bit of – I imagine there was a little bit of fear in your mind because you weren't sure how serious the knee was. Um, but, like, the celebration and everything, like, it's a court storming – a banner's getting dropped. There's a Big East trophy running around that says you're regular season champs. Like, there's like a party on the court. You guys are cutting nets down. What, what was that moment like for you guys? Like, we're, we're it wasn't the end of your season in theory. You guys didn't thought you probably had the most important games left. But in terms of your college basketball career, your basketball careers in general, like how much of where does that thing rank in terms of the celebration and the and the moment and, and being able to kind of like carry Omaha, the community itself, to that point and celebrate with them on the court. Marcus. Oh, I mean, that was that was, that was easily the biggest game or, you know, the craziest game I've ever played in, you know, at, at any level. You know, obviously, you know, me getting hurt at the end of the game, that was kind of like an emotional roller coaster. You know, I went from so high to so low real quick. But I remember just sitting there because I – I couldn't really go out on the court, right? I, I just wasn't able to. I was too, you know, stiff. But I remember just like thinking, like, wow, like this is, you know, I, I I wouldn't imagine that this scene, you know, a year ago. You know, I didn't think we would. You know, obviously, I always think we were gonna do big things, but you know, just knowing that it's really here, it, it was it was it was amazing to see, just how how everyone was smiling, everyone was was so happy, you know, just the, the whole the whole stadium was was crazy, so. I was just really happy, and I feel like we really, you know, deserve that moment. And um, just I'm, I was just so happy for my guys. You know, just just seeing how much we, how much work we put in since 
you know, summer sessions and, you know, knowing that it kind of paid off, you know, in that game. And it was, it was, it was really, it was really cool to see. Before I get to Mitch, yeah. before I get to Mitch real quick on that, uh, Marcus, like, you know, you, we've talked, you know, in the past about, you know, you kind of being under the radar on the East coast and not getting a lot of love from the big East schools and whatnot. Like, um, you know, to win a title like that and to do it, in the way you guys did and you know you and Michael both now have a big east title in the family like what is what did it mean to you to to win that thing and and to kind of like have a moment where you got to I don't know prove everyone who doubted you along the way wrong yeah you know I don't try and look at it as like, like an individual thing like I didn't you know I don't care what people think like, I don't I didn't really care in high school like of course I was like why aren't like a lot of these schools recruiting me uh, out in the east you know you know, why is it in Providence recruiting me? Like, it's kind of weird, you know. I, but then, you know, I you know, I found a spot for me. Praying was a spot for me. You know, that doesn't matter now. So just knowing that, you know, I traveled thousands of miles away for school and knowing I, we uh, we won the right, championship, it was, it was just a surreal feeling. And, you know, I just try and just think about the just the whole team and how much, you know, how much work we put in because, you, know, that, you know, that's what it's about. And, I was just so happy for everybody else. Did you, you talk to Michael at all? Say I got one now too. I actually didn't, but I remember he was. He called me that night. He was he's so happy for me. Just you know, I was. Of course, you know, I was. You know, I wasn't. Really, I you know, we we won it. And then I'm like, all right, you know, what's next? You know, now I got. Now I got to make sure I play in the Big East tournament. You know, that's what I was worried about with my knee. And so I was just. He's just like, calm down. You know, whatever happens, it happens. You know, you can't control it. And it is what it is. You know, you. You play, you guys won it, you know, you can still look back and you had a great season, and, you know. But I was, you know how I get, you know, I was just so scared with my knee because I didn't know what it was, you know, I didn't, I really had no idea. And then, but, you know, my support system had, did, did a great job of just letting me know, you know, just, just focus on the game, you know, you, you guys just won a huge game, you know, just be happy about that and then we'll figure out, you know, what's what's next with the knee. Mm. Yeah. And Mitch, like, you know, that moment for you, uh, celebrating with your, you know, with like basically the whole city and uh, your team and everything. I know you probably were like thinking in the back of your mind, Big East tournament is still ahead of us. And so the tournament run is still ahead of us. And those were important goals for you. But did you, did you lose yourself in that moment a little bit at all? Did you allow yourself to appreciate that in real time instead of maybe flipping the page as quickly as you usually do? Yeah, um, honestly, I was thinking, like, after, I mean, Thursday, probably started Thursday, I was like, because there was word getting out about, hey, if we win this game, there's going to be a court storm. And, and at first, I was like, I don't like, I'm not a fan of court storms. I don't like it. I don't, I think we should win every game. I think I should have three Big East titles, honestly. If I had done some stuff right, I think I should be going for my fourth next year. Like, that's just kind of how I work, and that's, I feel like I'm selling myself short a little bit. But, I'd never want to feel like the underdog. I want to feel like I would win in every game. So I, I, I sat with Marcus on the bench for a little bit, and I was like, I'm not getting in it. But then, it, like, kind of like a light bulb or a light switch flipped, and it was like, you know what? Why not? I'm never going to get this opportunity until next year, but next year we'll be in that situation where we've seen it, we've done it before, you know. But it was just – it was cool getting in. Like, I remember going into the rope, and, I mean, you run into a bunch of your friends in the student body, and, 
seeing the joy and excitement on their face. I mean, they were honestly happier for the Big East title and the, and, and the people in the crowd were happier than honestly than, than I was. You know, I just won another basketball game. I didn't think about winning the Big East. That didn't sink in at the time. It was just like how much fun everybody had, like how much joy was on people's faces. And I thought it was just unbelievable to experience that, that with them. And obviously when you get to cut down nets and do it with your, with your, with your guys, I mean, it's, it's surreal. Like Marcus was saying, it's unbelievable when it actually happens when you start the whole season in June. So it was cool. It was cool to see that hard work pay off. But at the end of the day, it's like, all right, we've done that. Now let's make something happen afterwards and let's, Let's do it again next year. Now we're now we're at the standard to where, hey, we've done it before. We know what it takes to do that. Let's continue it. And we have the bodies to do that. So at that point, when I got in the, under the rope, I was just I was just enjoying it, just like all the other college students and fans were. So it was cool. Nice. So Marcus, I know like I mean it was the thing was kind of taken the season was kind of taken from you guys in, in segments. Like Marcus, I think, you know. In New York, when you got to New York, you knew that you weren't going to play in the Big East tournament, NCAA tournament. Um, and then Mitch, obviously, you, <laughs> you saw all the cancellations come, you know, kind of as a domino effect after that. Like, do, do, I mean, when you're thinking about what is still left ahead, like, are you are you embracing that unfinished business thing at this point yet, or are you just trying to appreciate the season still? Like, at what point have you – have you flipped your the page to to motivate yourself for what you still want to accomplish in terms of maybe winning a Big East tournament or making a deep run in the NCAA tournament? Like when does that all that stuff start kicking for you guys? Marcus, I don't know if you want to start since yours got taken away first. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you know, once you win, you know, those those type of games, you got to enjoy it, you know, in the moment, you know, you know, sleep on it, and then honestly, after the next day, I'm like, yo, we like it's kind of like an unfinished business type of mentality. Like, you know, since everything got canceled, since I got injured, you know, I think we, I think that was just the start of something that we, that, that we can do, you know, together. And I going into next season, I just want to have that mentality of like, you know, we, we had, we had some success, you know, you know, you know, like, like, like we should. And, but now it's time to really kind of grow on that and go even further with it. And, but but at the same time, have a mentality of like you know, let's keep working, let's take it step by step. But in the back of your head, you got to think of you know, let's let's get back there and let's let's go even further and you know, just 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 keep going. And you know, that's I feel like that's the mentality of this group, and that's why we had like a lot of success this year because you know we never let you know if you look at if you look at our season, you know, all, in all of our big losses, you know, Georgetown. St. John's, you know, we, we we always bounce back after those games. It's because, you know, we don't you – know, in those games, we kind of let success get to us. And, you know, we just do, we just do some dirt on it. You know, like that's what Coach Les would always say to me. So just so just having that idea of, like, you know, we had some success, but, you know, we're capable, we're capable of, of, of a lot more. And having that mentality is only going to help us. Mitch? What was the initial question again? I guess, yeah, when, when, whenever, <laughs> it's just like watching TV or something. Uh, when, Mark's got a great answer to it. He did get a good answer. Yeah, he always gives great answers. I think when, when, no, like, it, when, when everything got canceled, like when did you start, did you flip the, when did you flip the page to think like, you know, there's still more to do here. I, 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 you know, when you start, when did you start thinking about that as opposed to when you stopped thinking about what you accomplished? 
Um, I stopped thinking about what we accomplished probably when I got back home from when I got back home from New York and I was sitting on my couch and like honestly it's like <laughs> it's done like it's 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 done with it's over with so I was at home for about a week just letting it sink in you know kind of trying to realize like what what happened what we did and then probably about a month ago three three weeks to a month ago I just flipped the page and I'm like hey let's let's figure it out like I got a lot of things to do personally like with my body and everything just to kind of get to that next level that I want to get to personally and if I can get to that and everybody else takes that same approach then I mean we can reach new even even higher levels as a unit so I mean I, that's why I'm back in Omaha I'm back in Omaha working out so I can kind of get ready and build my strength and and be better for next year so that was kind of my approach and that's kind of how I see it because at the end of the day I have one, one year left and mm. I know people always say like you're going out with it but I, honestly I want to go out strong I want to go out at my best I want to go out when my body's in tip-top showing uh tip-top shape and, and and figure it out but obviously I mean with all that being said lord willing because you know, I mean you never know what's going to happen Marcus has been through it guys have been through it but I just kind of want to prevent that and, and hopefully grow as a as a hooper so about a month ago in a roundabout way to answer your question nice I think uh what, what you know it's different because you guys went to last year you know, being doubted and, and you could use that as motivation, I guess, is, you know, being under the radar, kind of coming up and not being expected to do much. Like next year, it just seems like a lot of people are already, you know, throwing you into national championship conversations, like Final Four conversations, like Big East contender conversations. Like what's the – what are you going to do to motivate yourselves when you're not chasing respect, when you already have respect and – it, that's when complacency falls in. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you get that? How do you keep that out of your gym? I guess. Yeah, I'll, I'll go first, Mark. Yes. Um, honestly, you keep it out by. I mean, I think. Obviously, we were picked like seventh in the Big East this year or something, and we knew we were better than seventh. We knew we had the people to achieve the things that we wanted to achieve, and when you look at it from that approach and that perspective whether you're at the top or the bottom, like college basketball, it's, it's a gauntlet. Like people are out here going for, I mean, obviously everybody wants to win. And, and that's what, that's kind of what we, we're not, we're not looking for respect around the big East. We're not looking for respect around the nation. We're just looking for W's man. And usually when W's happen, I mean, you get that respect. And when you look at what we did, we came from, I mean, we were seven, a seven seed in the Big East, and we ended up winning the conference. We we're seventh in the country. When you look at that, you understand that people are in our same situation next year. And if you don't take care of business day in and day out and just rack up those W's, then people are going to take your spot. And not necessarily complacency. It's just like with make, missing and making shots. You don't, you never, you can never make enough shots. Like you can never make more shots than you like, oh, I hit 10 shots this game. I, that was more than I wanted. Like it's not how it works. It, once you once you get a feeling and a taste of the top, you want to you want to stay at the top and you want to get to the top nationally. And I don't think that approach changes. I think I think it I think it changes in a more attentive and more focused way. If that makes any sense. Sure. Honestly, we're more locked in to get some more Ws on a national scale. Yeah, I mean, piggybacking off of Mitch said, you know, our approaches. You know, we're just worried about trying to get wins. You know, I don't, we don't care what 
the outside noise says, you know, we've been on both ends of the spectrum now. You know, people predict us to be seventh in the Big East. You know, it doesn't mean anything if you say, say we're predicted to be first next year. That doesn't mean we're going to finish first. We could finish seventh. So, like, you know, just having the attitude of, you know, the outside noise, like, nobody knows the future. Nobody knows how good we are until we actually play. And, you know, we don't know how good we'll be next year, but, you know, we can have a mentality of, you know, let's just get better each and every day and put ourselves in position to be successful. And that's, you know, just control on what, just basically have a mentality of control with what you can control. And, um, I feel like, you know, we have that, you know, we have guys with experience, we have guys that don't get too high and, don't, and also don't get too low. So just having all that together, um, it's just, it'll breed success and, you know, all we got to do is put in the work and, you know, have fun, play with each other, and, you know, the rest will take care of itself. And, you know, I, feel, I, feel, I felt like that's what we did, and that's why we were, so, we were so successful down the stretch of this past season. Gotcha. Well, thanks a lot, guys. I appreciate the time. Um, it was good to see yes, you. Yes, sir. Yes, I'm glad sir. you guys are doing well. Um, all the appreciate best to you, you guys. Matthew. All the best to you guys, you and your families and everything. Thanks for hopping on, and uh, hopefully this world gets kicked into gear pretty soon and, and we'll all the best to you your family your dogs man keep holding it down yep appreciate it matt see you guys thanks a lot i'll, I'll let you know what thanks rob this thing tonight this mj thing i'll, I'll, see, I'll see if he's better than lebron you'll yeah you'll know in segments I, i'm just gonna wait to see how long it takes you to convince you because we'll find out here mitch already knows right, mitch already knows i'm out yo all right see you guys Bye.